0: To another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And
1: I like how you you laughed like that. I did not know you were going to laugh like that. And my natural laugh sounds like your Dracula laugh. Ha 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 ha. Good to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is something you don't know about me, maybe, but I love a shitty Dracula impression. Did you know that? What? Yes, love it.
1: I did not know that. I think it's like the funniest thing in the world. I don't know why. (laughs) Like shitty on screen, shitty in person. What makes it shitty? I I don't know. Just uh, I love any... Lackadaisical
0: um <laughs> bad Transylvanian esque accent doing a Dracula. Like, what's the guy from SCTV? I forgot his name that does Oh the, yeah,
1: Joe. What's his face? Joe
0: Flaherty. Is that his name? Yes. Yes. I love that. He he's my favorite bad
1: uh, Dracula. <laughs> he's a pretty good bad Dracula.
0: <laughs> Just looks-wise. Um, But I, just, I don't know why that cracks me up. And so, you know, it's about to be Halloween. So I, I'm getting in spades right now. And I also love doing one whenever I get the shot. So tell me tell me what's up. Tell me what's going on with you.
1: Well, I'm so amused to find out about this bad Dracula story. It just, again, I'm adding it to the list of things that are completely endearing about you. <laughs> Sorry, that now will also make me laugh for sure. But um, well, first (laughs) off, I should mention we are doing our first live event. We are. Yes, we will be Millie and I both at the Wexner Center for the Arts in Columbus, Ohio, on Friday, November 5th and Saturday, November 6th. Uh, We are presenting a double feature on Friday. November 5th at 7 p.m. It is $9 for the general public, $7 for members and $5 for students. The first film starts at 7 p.m. The second film starts at 9 p.m. And we will be showing nine to five and Thelma and Louise. Oh, and then (laughs) what happens next?
0: (laughs) Well, so we're doing the movies on Friday. Um, and then we're going to talk about the movies the next day. So, on Saturday, November 6th, starting at 7 p.m., this is a free event, by the way. So, if you don't have any money and you just want to come see us talk, come on Saturday. Um, we are going to talk about Thelma and Louise and nine to five from the night before um we're gonna do a a little episode we're not gonna record it or anything we're just having a chat um it'll be just like doing a live episode of the pod and we cannot wait this is the first time that danielle and i are actually doing a live thing yes i believe vaccines are required and um you'll have to wear masks which keeps everybody safe we love it so um If you're in the area and want to come, we'd love to see you would be
1: would be great. Absolutely. And again, it's the Wexner Center for the Arts in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, You can come to one event. You can come to both events, pick and choose. uh, But we would just love to see you if you're in the area.
0: Yes, Um, there'll be also a lot of info about it on the on social media, too. So, um, you know, check us out there. And yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be so fun.
1: It's going to be so fun. But also, okay, so you asked me what's up. And let me tell you, I have noticed this week that trucks need to calm down. (laughs) And I'm talking about like like pickup trucks, like normal, not like 18 wheelers, but like normal trucks that people are driving need to calm down because I cannot tell you. And I've noticed it more because of where I live now naturally.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: I was on the road and I decided to take a back road mm-hmm. to go get something. Mm-hmm. This week I was running errands, took a back road. All of a sudden, coming up behind me is a pickup truck and it had extended mirrors, extended side mirrors. Yep. Which I've seen before. But when I tell you this truck coming up behind me looked like Christ the fucking Redeemer. <laughs> Just like arms spread. These mirrors were like three feet out from the side of this truck. Yeah. And I was like, what in it looked like, speaking of Dracula, like just picture anything with its arms spread out. (laughs) Bat wings. And that is what this truck looked like. It looked like it had actual arms that stuck out three feet from this. It's not it's no longer even doing the job of a side mirror at that point. Because what are you seeing three feet away from your car? on either side
0: well that is one thing i will agree with you on is the the truck itself has gotten so fucking big over the years too much too much do you remember like when we were kids in the 80s like My neighbor drove a Datsun truck and they were like tiny, tiny little metal trucks.
1: They were the matchbox cars of pickup trucks.
0: (laughs) Yes, they were super tiny. Uh, They were effective. They could carry fruit or furniture or whatever. It's not as if like they were too small. To where people were like, God, this is so inefficient. We have to create a bigger truck. Exactly. I think it's a vanity thing. I think people were like, yo, I'm driving a a pickup truck. We got to jack it up on big wheels. We got to put three foot mirrors on the sides. Absolutely. And now they're like buses. They're like
1: buses. I'm telling. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And it's like a masculinity thing. And I see these trucks coming up at me now and I just instantly can't. I just get so mad because I'm like, this is it's too much. We don't need all of this. I don't need it. You don't need it. Look up a Datsun and then look up a current like a 2020 Ford F-150. Yes. And just imagine going from Datsun to that in your own lifetime. I know. Like you you could roller skate with dotsons based on compared to the size of the trucks nowadays. You could strap a dotson on each foot.
0: Yeah. Oh, in fact, I think I've seen a regular modern pickup truck rolling over like 10 dotsons at <laughs> the fucking city center arena or whatever. <laughs> like now, normal-sized trucks in the 80s are getting smashed by modern size trucks it's insane
1: yeah like Bigfoot used to like Bigfoot you know that big truck that we were all obsessed with in the in the 80s yeah used to smash like Volkswagens yes and now Bigfoot smashes other trucks it's just like it's too much it's too much I can't handle it and it is my gripe for the week. I definitely feel like because it's it's more than anything, it's just disconcerting. Yeah. Like I'm by myself on a country road and then here comes this roaring fucking truck up behind me with its arms spread out and I'm just like, I can't. It looks like a statue and a truck all at once. I just I can't handle it. I don't like it. I don't like the feeling it gives me. I think it's too much trucks need to calm down
0: listen this is pure american shit because i'll tell you right now if you go to italy you will never see a truck like that you'll never Never. see a big ass country truck you could be in the country in italy you know they have a country in italy uh i've driven through italy twice and you're in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah just like you would be you know in upstate new york and they don't have trucks that big
1: they just don't. I have never been to Italy, but I guarantee anyone building a house in the country in Italy is popping those planks of wood in the back of a Fiat and not saying anything. Yes. <laughs> just fucking planks of wood hanging out of those windows. And that's it.
0: Yeah, it's it's not happening. And I think that's the thing is like, even in L.A., I wouldn't see trucks that big. Yeah. It feels like it's an American country size like it's something about america and and this idea of like jacking up a, a normal truck to to yeah. be a monster truck because that's the thing is that they are some of them are monster truck size it's
1: very strange it's really weird and guess what the thing that's the most is concerning about it most people who have those trucks are just throwing a garbage bag in the back of it and driving <laughs> it down the driveway like the burbs <laughs> They're not even doing anything cool with it or monster trucky with it. They're just like, I just don't want to slide on this highway on my way to Dunkin' Donuts to get my latte.
0: (laughs) Yeah, unless you're taking like a Little League baseball team in the back. Why do you need that truck? Usually it's one person. I see one person in it, you know. Unreal. There's no need. There's
1: no need. But what about you? How was your week?
0: Okay, so you know how you spoke a few weeks ago about how you went out? Yeah. On the town i did a little of that over the weekend um i went to a concert uh it was the first music concert that i've been to probably like two years
1: maybe damn
0: because i i wasn't going to many even before covid yeah so i went to a show and i went and saw i saw what you did king of men i went and saw (laughs) tim capello from the lost boys in concert
1: wow yes say more about that right now
0: <laughs> okay so first of all covid has not taken our king thank you just to put just to put that out there uh i thought of that the entire time i was on the show <laughs> <laughs> is, you, is you praying to l- the lord covid please don't take our saxophone king <laughs> But you know, after that episode, somebody messaged me, actually more than one person messaged me. (laughs) I got it a lot. Actually, they were like, Hey, did you know that Tim Capello from the Lost Boys saxophone player from the party sequence in the Lost Boys is touring right now? And I was like, holy shit. I found out he was coming to my town and bought tickets. And so I was like, Oh, now that now the concert is here. Because I bought them a while ago and then I was like, oh, the concert's actually here. Yeah. I when I tell you that I had so much fucking fun, I can't describe to you the joy that I felt (gasps) seeing him in concert. Okay. Because for every fucking reason that I was obsessed with him for being in The Lost Boys for being this very earnest presence in this fucking crazy <laughs> dumb fun movie he is exactly the same like when he's <gasps> he showed up first of all he looks fucking incredible he's almost effectively the same body i don't know how that's possible what? he's like 60 years old he looks unbelievable he was oiled down So he was covered in oil just as he was in the Lost Boys. See, I knew it. He's got an oil spit. I knew it. I thought that was such a great touch. He was wearing the like intricate goth bondage necklace or whatever the fuck he was wearing (laughs) in in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And he was wearing like, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe this. (laughs) I believe it was. A leather cod piece over a pair of tight acid wash jeans.
1: Wow.
0: I mean, I'll have to post a photo on our um, Instagram. It was such a fucking look, and he was pulling it off without any problems. I I was just like, wow. A 60 year old man is out here looking like this. I'm like, he is our king.
1: Also, a six. A six year old man is out here looking like this in a pandemic. Because let me tell you, I, I just getting dressed is a miracle for me. Any day that I have clothes yes. on my body, let alone an outfit, let alone a killer outfit.
0: He, listen, this guy was oiled up, put on that leather cod piece or those leather breeves. I don't know what they were. They, it was like some <laughs> kind of like. Um, was it a thong? I you know, I don't I don't know if it was a thong, but it was like the only thing I can say is that there's a cover to a Prince record from the 80s. I think where Prince is wearing nothing but like underwear and the the front part is leather. I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it looked like, but maybe a little (laughs) bit more rhinestony. I don't know. I wasn't really like staring too hard, but I'm just saying that the dedication, the pandemic dedication to wearing those Over a pair of jeans, I thought was incredible. Sincerely. And it was literally just him and his saxophone. (gasps) Um, He he was basically playing to like a pre-programmed beat or whatever. And in the background, he was showing he was showing footage from when he was on Miami vice, which I thought was so fucking funny. And then he was showing clips of like old movies, like classic (gasps) films. Oh, we got to get him on the pod dude. Exactly. I was like, okay, this guy just showed a clip from the misfits. We are definitely getting him on this podcast. I don't, I don't know if he's like a huge old movie fan, but whatever it's, I was like, this is evidence alone that he belongs in our podcast. And, The thing about him that really just warmed my heart was just this idea that he he was basically like, hey, guys, if there's anything about me that you need to know, it's that I'm not trying to kid myself. I know why you guys are here. You're here to hear. I still believe from The Lost Boys. (laughs) However, do me a favor and listen to a song from my new album. Like he was just like setting it up like I know why you're here. I appreciate you. I know that most people don't want to hear the new track from the new album, but, you know, just do me a big favor and be sweet. And I was like, I love you. You were so nice. Like, I'll go anywhere for you, Mr. Capella." I love an earnest sax playing God. God, it was so fun. Um, Every song sounded like a song that would be in a buddy cop film from the 80s, like, Judge Reinhold is like rolling over the hood of a car or something. Like I, it was like just this perfect combo of like of the music and the look and you know everybody's like flipping out and I had the best time. Now I have to get a COVID test this week <laughs> because I'm terrified. I am terrified that I got COVID at this show. I hope I didn't. But, you know, did you have your
1: mask on? Like, how was the crowd? How was the vibe? Well, listen,
0: I mean, bottom line is that I'm in Georgia now. It's not as bad as Florida. I will say that. But it's the kind of thing where some places do like mandatory vaccines. Some places don't. Um, most places do do masks, but you see people without them all the time. And when I was at the show, I mean, I was wearing a mask, but yeah, there was a lot of people not wearing masks. And I was Ooh. like, and I wasn't asked for my vaccination card when I walked Ooh. through the door. So I was kind of like, okay,
1: Ooh.
0: this is uh this is a red zone, but you know what? Like if I got COVID while I went and saw Tim Capello, I hope I did not, but I'm just saying it's possibly worth it. I don't know. I
1: don't want to say that, but. Listen, if COVID did not take our saxophone prince, Tim Capello, <laughs> but it does take my podcast queen, Millie De Chirico, I will have to box him in a public square. Rest in peace, queen. I will box Tim Capello if you got COVID at this show.
0: Well, and you know, what's funny is that I was concerned for him. I was like. Why are these people not wearing a mask for him? Like, Ugh. he can't wear a mask. He's playing his saxophone tunes, you know? He can't take his mask down.
1: There's no, like, prophylactic prosthetic. There's nothing you can do to play saxophone through a mask. Right. Because the reed is and the mouthpiece, it's all about contact. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And here's another question. Yes. Was there a bar on the premises? Of course. Well, there you go, bitch. There you go. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm sure people with even the best intentions took one drink and that mask came down.
0: Oh yeah. And I mean, I had a drink or two, not going to lie, and I there were moments where I was like trying to do the straw underneath the mask. <laughs> look, but which is so awful but you know i was trying to do it safely but (laughs) at a certain point i was just like i gotta i gotta do a flip up because you gotta do it i can't do this and have a straw poking through my face so i don't know i'm a little i'm a little scared
1: look we're taking our precautions we have to live we came to this this realization a couple weeks ago when i talked about going out in new york city i've since taken a covid test a a prc test everything's fine yeah and you know, we just, we got to be careful, but we got to get out there. We got to get back out there and, um, you know, to our own comfort levels. And I'm talking about just you and me, everyone else should still stay at home. Yes, Anyone listening to this should just stay at home. But me and Millie, we have to get back out there because we've been cooped up for two years and that is not good for the two of us.
0: I know. And you know, it, it did feel, there was a moment where I thought, should I just not go? Cause the place that he played, it wasn't like, you know, it was like a cool, it's a cool bar in Atlanta. It's yeah. not, you know, an amphitheater, you know, they're not doing the like six feet apart tables thing. It was basically like a punk rock club in the city, you know, lots of young people, um, dark and goth. <laughs> it was very goth <laughs> that night. Um, and I just thought it's going to be a thing. And I, but I was like, I don't know. I want to try to go because when am I going to see? Thank you. Tim Capello, sax player from the Lost Boys. And thank you. You know, I took that risk and hopefully fingers crossed nothing. I didn't catch anything, but you know, I just was like, it was so fun in the moment though. I just had a blast.
1: I'm so glad you went and I'm so glad you had fun. And if anyone gave COVID to both you and Tim Capello, I'm going to bury you side by side. I don't care what his family says. (laughs) And he's just going to have to deal. They're just going to have to deal with coming to visit him and you while the 311 hologram plays over your bodies. It's just the way it's got to be.
0: <laughs> Listen, everybody knows that there is an Italian cemetery that all the Italians get buried in. So I'll be with him. It's going to be me, Tim Capello, Kevin Klein's character from I Love You to Death. Sinatra's already there. Sophia Loren is already there. No, Sophia L- oh, Loren is alive. I should say that <laughs>
1: I was like, I what is she there like in a lawn chair, just hanging out, knitting?
0: <laughs> Sophia Lorette is standing above all the other dead of towns, being like, bitch, I'm still here. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what I mean.
1: I'm glad you went. I'm re- I really am glad that you went. And I think that again, you're safe in every single aspect of your everyday life. You went and had fun. Yeah. Sounds like it was worth it. And I truly cannot believe you saw Tim Capello. And I wish I could have been there with you.
0: I know I was thinking about you the entire time. Um, I really was. Cause I, I, I kept thinking about that COVID King scenario. And then I just know that the, that episode that we recorded about the lost boys was, was so fun for us to talk about. And so I think funny. that and when I listened to it again, I was like, damn, I really like him legit. Like I was like really making the case for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In a way that I think was scary. <laughs> Like a friend of mine was like, damn, I didn't realize you really loved that guy. And I'm like, don't say anything bad about him. Do not make fun of him. He is a fucking great
1: musician. He played with <laughs> Tina Turner. Fuck you. Again, I I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think it is fantastic. And I love that you earnestly like an earnest man.
0: Yes. <laughs> some people do not enjoy things ironically. You know, some people really love. Yeah the thing and i feel that way about tim capello sir you're doing a great job stay safe out there i had a great time at your show and um thank you for the
1: tunes and come back so i can see you yes for sure i have no segue for this this week i don't
0: think you can have one for
1: this i I don't know how unless something incredibly strange happened at this concert (laughs) i think we just have to get into it
0: speaking of goths i don't know is that does that work
1: yeah it's good i like it
0: <laughs> you're like just being nice girl but that one really sucked um we have a, a really uh spooky ooky halloweeny theme this week i'm really excited
1: yeah we do our theme this week is books that open the portal to hell <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um this I feel like this was all you, which I love. I'm I, I, I stand by it. Tell us a little bit about books that open the portal to hell.
1: Well, as as you know, I was reared on the horror films, and I kind of enjoy when the thematic element of the film is built around something simple and something easy to explain yes so a swamp thing if you will a blob if you will (laughs) (laughs) a book that you read from and or read in general and it just opens the portal to hell very simple things (laughs) for our halloween (laughs) area episode exactly
0: well i love it too for halloween obviously such a fun you know kind of um I don't even know if it's a micro genre, but it is a sort of thematic element to horror movies that is really fun and cool and makes us laugh. Um, and I think both of these movies are classics. I mean, you have like you have two kind of famous see horror movie directors. I mean, I think obviously you're. Uh, movie your director is probably like one of the most famous horror movie directors of all time um and and my and for my film it's the movie itself became this like huge cult franchise yes. and is a is a key horror movie although the director kind of went on and started doing more kind of hollywood stuff and and kind of moved away from horror for a while um but i love these two together I know. and i love the idea of a book opening a portal to hell because it is like that thing where it's like it's literary but it's scary
1: well it's also like it's always the way like if you're in a dubious situation and you find a book that is either i don't know covered with human skin or (laughs) given to you by an axe-wielding madman (laughs) you don't want to read from it Like the book itself is always the ultimate reason to not want to read it. And yet people are constantly opening the portal to hell, which makes me laugh so hard.
0: Can I ask you a, a question? Always. Was there a book from when you were a child that you thought opened
1: the portal to hell? Stephen King's Needful Things. It was too real. It was too real. Yeah. It felt like it could happen in my town.
0: I have not read that book, but I've heard that it's terrifying as fuck.
1: Terrifying. We love
0: you, King. We love you, King.
1: (laughs) Rest in peace, King King. Rest in peace, King King. 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 (laughs) You know I love Stephen King, but Needful Things, too goddamn freaky when I was a kid. You know what else is also weird to me? People really love that book, The Secret Garden. I always thought it was kind of creepy when I was a kid.
0: Oh, totally, 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 totally. That was a lot of uh, books from our childhood was that they kind of had this like spooky element to them. Yeah. Um, I, for me, I was terrified of time, life's mysteries of the unknown. Oh, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. I thought all of them, the entire series opened the portal to hell
1: completely the the commercials alone it just laying eyeballs on the commercial opens the portal to hell
0: oh my god yeah it's that commercial and the stephen king commercial that we yep. posted a while back yep uh scary as fuck why were they playing at 4 p.m after school i don't know why
1: because we're the only people dumb enough to buy those books they're like let's market this to 12 year olds they're the only people who are gonna buy the time life <laughs> book series that will scare them for the rest of their natural lives
0: i swear to god sometimes i think about it and i'm like oh our childhood was essentially one big episode of like garth Marenghi's dark place it was just 100 funny and scary
1: also i've never read them i think it's because i'm pretty sure the babysitters club series would open the portal to hell ah!
0: okay you are talking to a super fan of the Babysitter's Club series. What? Yes. And I will say there's maybe three that open the portal to hell. Oh. But the rest of them are very nice.
1: Well, text me those three. Because <laughs> I, 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 just, I just have a feeling. Because I know for a fact that the entire Sweet Valley Twin series will open the portal to hell. <laughs> if I have to read about that split ranch house one more time when I was a kid, <laughs> the earth was going to crack open. <laughs>
0: If you get a package in the mail without a return address and it's just a copy of Logan Likes Marianne, mm. do not open that shit.
1: Put it in a fire. Burn it. I will mean, take it right out to the yard and light it on fire. <laughs> All of those books. Portal to hell.
0: Oh, my God. This is going to be fun. I cannot wait to get into this.
1: You're going first. So,
0: Ooh, I am going first. My goodness. OK. So my movie for the theme books that open the portal to hell is a movie from 1981. It was directed by Sam Raimi and it's called the evil dead. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. you sounded very um count from sesame street i was
1: gonna say that's my favorite dracula is the count
0: oh yeah what? Uh, absolutely uh, like uh, he's uh. he's got a great bad transylvanian accent
1: and a shitty attitude i fucking love that guy
0: <laughs> he also had like a disco period
1: which yeah. i think is very interesting <laughs> Look, he likes a party. He definitely showed up to Studio 54 and he wants no children in his presence. Who does that remind you of? <laughs> Hello, a cape. Hello. Give me a cape. <laughs> I'm your tractor. Drag- <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Tell me about this movie.
0: <laughs> OK. First, I just have to say, I feel like the influence of this film on modern horror mm. cannot be overstated. Okay. completely. There would not be Edgar Wright. I'm sorry. There just wouldn't be. Mm
1: -hmm. There would not be
0: Cabin in the Woods or a lot of modern horror without the evil dead. If you ask me.
1: I agree. Just
0: my opinion. Thank you. But as you can imagine, there's a lot of info already out there about this movie and this franchise. If you feel like doing a deep dive, I'm not going to do a deep dive. I'm just going to mention that. The Evil Dead, this film we're about to talk about, is the first in what eventually became a franchise of movies and TV shows that is centered around a character named Ashley Ash Williams, mm. played by cult movie king Bruce Campbell. I feel like a lot of people know him. He wasn't just, he was Briscoe, uh, the adventures of Briscoe County
1: Jr. Thank you. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone, anyone. I once dated someone for a couple of dates because they look like Bruce Campbell. Not even ashamed. You know,
0: I have similarly been attracted to men who look like Bruce Campbell. Yeah. OK,
1: I'm just like you look like Bruce Campbell. And then he started talking and I'm like, you don't sound like Bruce Campbell. Bye.
0: Goodbye. If chins could kill indeed. Ugh. but. Ash over the years has become one of the great figures of horror movies. I would say, like a Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or whatever. Absolutely. I feel like there was like a mashup too. Like, didn't Ash yeah. fight e- either or both of them
1: at one point? <laughs> I, I can't remember. Took them on. Took both of them on <laughs> single handed. <laughs> and there was a TV series.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody went to space. I don't know who 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 fought who. It gets very convoluted. Um, But honestly, Ash really became Ash after this film. Like the the sequel to this film, which is called Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn. I mean, I'm not going to say a lot about it, but that's kind of when the character really exploded in pop culture, Mm -hmm. I I would say. But I will say with the Evil Dead franchise, it's like a lot of horror movie franchises, and and I'm thinking specifically of stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play. I would say that the Evil Dead movies got progressively funnier and (laughs) self-referential as they rolled out, right? Yes,
1: Like, I think you already mentioned this in another episode, but after, like, the sixth movie, the Nightmare on Elm Street films were just basically like Freddy Krueger turned into Shecky Green.
0: Yes. Freddy Krueger stand-up is what it became. (laughs) Same with Chucky. Chucky had bars. I think we remember this. Chucky
1: had bars. Leprechaun, even.
0: (laughs) Yes. And the thing about Evil Dead 2 is that it really is on steroids. It's like taking the first (laughs) evil dead, pumping it up full of steroids. It's over the top. It's really fun to watch, but the first evil dead movie, and this is exactly what happened with, with nightmare on Elm street, the first evil dead movie, much like the first nightmare on Elm street is scary to me. It's scary as fuck to me. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the first evil dead in a long time, and you only remember like army of darkness or something like that, watch the first evil dead. It's actually scary.
1: It really is. And I saw, I saw them in reverse. I saw army of darkness first yeah. then I watched evil dead too. Then I watched the evil dead when I was a kid. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's a let's common. I think a lot of people have seen it kind of in reverse, but just a little background on it. I mean, Sam Raimi, the director of the evil dead, he and Bruce Campbell were childhood friends. And initially when they uh, were thinking about making this movie, they decided to make this, you know, short version of it, like a 30 ish minute version of this film. That they kind of used as a proof of concept to make the longer film, right right, um, but even after they got some money to make it, it still was essentially a low budget film. I mean, they got their friends and family to be in the film, and they had to come up with like all these inventive ways to make it like and I and I've read, like again, you can go on a deep dive of this online, but, you know, apparently the set was like really rough. It was kind of miserable, (laughs) cold and rainy and muddy and everybody was like hating it. But um, it was a labor of love at the end of the day from what it sounds like. And I think it paid off because Sam Raimi went on to have this big career in Hollywood, like I said. And he and Bruce Campbell worked together many times. Uh, Even when Sam Raimi was like doing the big um Toby Maguire Spider-Man films yeah um in the 2000s Bruce Campbell's in them How about a one sentence synopsis of The Evil Dead
1: Oh I can't wait to hear this
0: It's it's okay it's 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 a standard I I don't want to overpromise but here we go <laughs> A group of teenagers staying the night in a truly frightening old cabin in the woods discover a book and audio tape in the basement that once played summons evil murderous demons that possess their bodies
1: (laughs) cut to the quick simple (laughs) i love it simple
0: effective um so one of the things about the evil dead that i love is that it gets going really fast which i appreciate yeah (laughs) there's no like 45 minutes of like ramp up and then horror it's like there's horror within the first like 10 minutes of this movie (laughs) essentially got five college kids You've got Ash and his girlfriend, Linda, who is played by Betsy Baker. You've got Ash's sister, Cheryl, who is played by Ellen Sandweiss. And then you've got this other couple, Scott and Shelley, who are played by Richard DeManticore and Teresa Tilly. Okay, and they're driving to this remote cabin in the woods of like Tennessee. I think that's where they're at. Yeah. And they're driving this big old 70s car like a Cutlass Supreme or some shit. It's a huge car but rickety right <laughs> and they have to cross this rickety bridge where there's like wood
1: shards flying around as they're driving over it okay oh my god it's like a scooby-doo bridge if i ever saw one
0: yeah at one point the tire like pokes through and they're like oh my god <laughs> i mean already like sirens are going off in my head i'm like come on people this bridge <laughs> that ain't good but they um finally pull up to this cabin that they're supposed to be renting and i have to say this cabin is fucking terrifying
1: oh it's fucked the fuck up
0: like i would i don't know how much they paid to stay here i'm not sure if it was free
1: yeah hopefully zero dollars went into renting this place
0: they should be paid to stay in the cabin to be honest but um look We all know that horror movies would not exist without people making bad choices, (laughs) but
1: this cabin is definitely not the move from the jump. You're on a vacation with your friends. Someone's like, I rented an Airbnb. Come hang out. And we're like, all right, cool. We all drive up. You pull up to this cabin. What do you do?
0: I um, am going home immediately. (laughs) Like I'm. Like, I I walk across the rickety bridge. I don't care if there's a hole in it from our car. Like, I'm just like, I'm going right back where I came from. I am. I am leaving. I will take an extremely expensive same day flight the (laughs) fuck out of Tennessee.
1: I will hitchhike to the goddamn airport. (laughs) I will risk my life on the open road. With a stranger to get to the airport and get the fuck out of there. I would never, you won't you would never see me run so fast in yeah. your life.
0: I don't even want to stay in nice cabins a lot of the time. So no. you know what? Like a shitty one, forget it. I don't care. I don't
1: even want to stay in my own damn house. Yes. <laughs> it's too many bugs. It's in the woods. I shouldn't have bought this one. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking creepy as shit. Well, okay, so here's the
0: thing that happens to these kids, right? They're in the cabin. And they decide to go down into the cellar or basement or whatever the fuck it is.
1: That shit's a cellar. Subterranean abode. I feel like the only difference is like when the earth is actually poking through the wall, that is a cellar.
0: Yes. Yes. It, it was kind of like graveyard shift esque yeah. where they went below the the floor of the factory to like this other secret world it was that level of terrifying okay (laughs) and they start finding all this random stuff down there so there's like a shotgun there's a (laughs) reel to reel tape recorder and then there's this book okay first of all the first thing you need to know right off the bat is that this
1: book is bound by human flesh which Even if you don't know that holding it, even if you do not know, hey, this is human flesh. It is not like a textbook canvas cover. There's something abnormal about it. And it's bumpy,
0: bumpy. And like, it's not even like it's like that weird leathery. Like, listen, I don't know anything about human flesh. I'm just saying (laughs) that, like, you know,
1: I'm just saying if your book has zits, put it down.
0: Yes. But yet this is another red flag that they decide to shrug off and they open the book and it has all this like ancient writing in it. And there's some creepy ass drawings. And then someone decides to press play on the reel to reel, which is another thing. I'm like, I'm not listening to that. That's crazy, but they do it. They do it anyway. (laughs) And it's the voice of this professor. And he's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a diary slash like, investigation notes i don't know i don't yeah. know what it is but he basically says he's been living in the cabin he's doing research on this ancient book that was written by the sumerians <laughs> called the Naturum Demonoto. no i can't i'm sorry
1: um <laughs> <I freaking> <laughs> <gobbled> <laughs> that. that's crazy
0: <laughs> Naturum demonto okay look demonto nobody
1: expects you to speak sumerian <laughs> okay you can just say that book. And we're leaving all of this in.
0: <laughs> Goddamn. I mean th- I'm gonna take another stab at it.
1: Here I would love go. if you did.
0: It's called The Naturum Demonto.
1: Done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all I'll say is that it's also called the Necrocom. <laughs>
1: why can't i say this because you know it'll open the portal to hell your body and your mouth is trying to tell you not to say it listen
0: it's like if i say this five times some shit is about to pop off um it's also called the necronomicon ex mortis yeah in the other evil dead movies but anyway it's known by several names (laughs) and All you need to know is that the mythology of the book was based on the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. I think you've probably heard of him. And he wrote about the Necronomicon, which he also called the Book of the Dead. There's a lot of different names for this skin book. Let's just say
1: this is part of the problem with skin book is that it's got too many names And I think the book does that on purpose because they're like, look, we're going to cast a wide net. If anyone says any of this shit, we're coming out of hell.
0: Yes. They're like, what if they can't say it? Let's call it something else. What if they can't say that? Let's just call it this. You know, they're covering all their bases. These demons are smart. Let's get serious.
1: Keep it going until you get to skin book.
0: (laughs) If they just say skin book, we're coming out. Here we go. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. So. The professor on the audio tape starts translating some of the text from the book that they're currently holding. And of course, it summons an evil force and turns everyone in the house into fucking demons from the ninth (laughs) level of hell.
1: That professor needs a talking to because he set that up perfectly for some demons to come out. Yes. It's like all the temptation is there. I bet it was one of their dads. (laughs) Yeah. Where he was just like, you know, you little fucks think you're going to hang out in my cabin all weekend. How about we (laughs) open the portal to hell and turn you all into demons?
0: Well, it it ends up actually being someone's dad in the second film, which again, (laughs) you're just going to have to watch. We won't talk about it any further. (laughs) But Ash's sister, Cheryl, is essentially the first one out of them who kicks off this whole fucking thing. Okay, and I'm not sure if she was affected first because she was like the artist of the group or maybe just
1: a single lady (laughs) i don't know why Ah, that would be so fucked up if they came for her first because she was single yeah they were like you're single
0: artist uh we're fucking getting in that shit immediately (laughs) but she wanders into the woods and then gets attacked by the woods like the like the fucking branches of the tree start like coming at her and holding her down and she gets assaulted by a tree. Yeah. And then she so she runs back to the house and it's like all right, we got to get the fuck out of here, okay? And she she demands that Ash drive her back to civilization and wouldn't you know, the bridge that they drove over mm. that they popped a hole in is now completely demolished.
1: Mm-mm. Okay?
0: Mm-mm. So, looks like they got to go back to the creepy cabin. And um, you know, once she's back, Forget it. It's over for your girl. It's over. She, like I said, once she gets going, it is scary as fuck. And it, it, to me, it reminds me very much of the exorcist where she's like hovering over everyone with the creepy eyeballs Mm -hmm. and like the weird head tilts and shit. And the best part is that she stabs someone in the ankle with a fucking pencil. (laughs) And yes, You must say that like the guy from the first John Wick movie
1: (laughs) with a fucking pencil, a fucking pencil. It's gory as shit. Yeah, because she keeps stabbing her. She doesn't just stab her once and that's it. She's like lead poisoning. Number two. Here we go. Keep it going. (laughs) But it's so bad. She's so
0: bad that they have to put her under the floorboards and chain it down. Which is always the part that I remember from childhood is like the her coming up from the floorboards, but they're chained. Yeah. You know, but as you can imagine, one by one, these kids, they all start getting possessed and Ash is the last one standing and has to fight everybody off.
1: And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to kill anybody.
0: No, he certainly doesn't want to kill his girlfriend, Linda, who he just gave this like fancy
1: spy glass necklace too or what what is it a magnifying glass a magnifying glass that honestly if you wore outside would just light you on fire yes
0: he looks like he spent a lot of his um summer job money on this necklace and he doesn't want to have to uh dismember his own girlfriend but hey she's possessed by fucking demons he's the only one that's not right
1: only one could you do it could you kill a possessed partner
0: girl yes i'm catholic i don't like fucking (laughs) demons whatsoever Ah, i'm catholic okay listen Ah. when it comes down to it i think part of my fear of the evil Dead and movies about demons is because i grew up catholic like right like the exorcist is the scariest movie of all time to me i do not fucking fuck with devil shit no no way i do not i
1: could kill anyone I have a very strong sense of self-preservation. Yes. <laughs> you could kill anyone at any time. <laughs> I could kill anyone. If it saves my life, you're gone.
0: I don't care how in love we were. I don't care if we just got a timeshare condo in a foreign country. If you are possessed by a demon, you're gone. You got to go. If, if, if I'm not possessed and you're
1: possessed, forget it. I have never. Th- there's a scene in this movie where someone gets hit with an axe so hard they turn into ground beef. Yes. That would be me. Like I would hit and keep hitting your possessed ass <laughs> until you looked like a deli counter and then I would <laughs> find another bridge to cross. Or you'd see me like rappelling into a fucking ravine. I would like rappel down that ravine. Yes. Scurry across the rocks, climb up the other side. You're out of there. I have a very strong sense of self-preservation. Of course. I could kill anyone. We know this about you. You don't even want to go to the movies by yourself. Nope. Already thinking about murder in the movies. Can't even sit in the movie (laughs) without thinking about killing somebody. (laughs) But
0: to your point, this is the thing about this movie that was so effective and still is effective It's that it's pretty fucking gnarly. Like the gore in this movie
1: is gnarly as hell. It is gross. There's a scene and I, every time I see it, I say the same thing. This bitch eats her own hand off to get the knife out of her. This shit is gory. Well, and that's what I mean. It's like for
0: something that was low budget filmmaking for something that was seemingly kind of handmade and sort of like a group effort amongst a group of friends, They really outdid themselves in the blood and guts department. I mean, there are moments where they have like this stop motion animation um, for some of the sequences that, you know, stop motion animation from a modern perspective can sometimes look pretty hokey. But for whatever reason, it still looks incredible to me. And there's a lot of techniques that they use in this movie that have been copied endlessly in the horror realm. I mean, it's like the moving shots through the woods in the house, which yep. basically they did with like, you know, they didn't have a steady cam. So they had to basically nail a camera to like a two by four and have two dudes on either side, like run through the house. Ugh. Um and they actually put a camera on a bicycle, too, for one <sighs> from one part. I think it's like towards the end of the film. So good. You know, they use these Dutch angles, which now it's like you see Dutch angles in horror movies all the time.
1: Everywhere. There's that one scene where they it starts out at the back of Ash, like it starts with the back of Bruce Campbell's head and then goes over his head and flips around to the front. Yeah. And I still don't know how they did that with. the the amount of tech that was available back then.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very creative. I think it's totally fresh and still, still fucking awesome. And, you know, I think the thing that makes this movie scary, but then sometimes it turns into funny is the idea that these demons start really fucking with ash. Like all of his friends are now demonically (laughs) possessed. And, Uh, they are fucking taunting his ass. Like they're like, come on, Ash, like what you fucking doing? Come on, dude. And it's like that. They really doubled down on that. Um, In the second film, obviously like it became kind of a comedy in that way. You know, and I know that like Sam Raimi is a big three stooges fan. So there had to have been some of that in there, obviously,
1: They are bringing the psychological terror along with the demon terror.
0: Yes. But yeah, it does. It is. And I don't know if I'm informed by the rest of the franchise, but there were moments where I watched this again and I've seen this several times where I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of funny. Like, it's scary as shit, but it does sort of amuse me that the demons are like taunting Ash and he's just trying to survive his own friends who have turned into satanic demons because of this damn book (laughs) skin book
1: did it again this
0: this skin book and at the end of the day the evil dead is it's just a good old-fashioned splatter film just how we like it a real classic it's an amazing movie to watch for halloween if you haven't seen it in a while check it out but this book is what creates the chaos in this film and in this franchise. So I had to pick it for our theme.
1: I love that you picked it. I hadn't seen it in ages. I've seen it several times as well, but not in a long time. And it's just so good. I think it is. It's so clever and so funny and it holds up. It holds up.
0: Yeah, definitely holds up.
1: Great pick. Well. Well. All right. <laughs> my pick for the theme of books that open the portal to hell was released in 1994, written by Michael DeLuca, directed by John Carpenter, and the movie is In the Mouth of Madness.
0: The riots began because the stories could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel, In the
1: Mouth oh of Madness. God. Oh, boy. this is going to be a blast. Let me start you off with a one sentence synopsis of this film. A freelance insurance investigator wishes he had stuck to proving arson or finding people committing workman's comp fraud after he gets roped into looking for an author who has written a book that drives everyone who reads it insane. <laughs> workman's comp. He's like, I should have stuck to... Proving arson fraud. Like, I did not want to lose my mind at all. I had a good thing going. Also, freelance insurance investigator. Okay,
0: that is, like, how... I I think we need to create a list of great freelance insurance investigators of cinema. Because I'm trying to think of more than one at this point. And if we can figure out more than one...
1: We got we got a theme going, baby. We got a stew going. <laughs> I've never seen it, but what oh god, what's that play that was turned into a movie about the sa- death of a salesman? Is that about a freelance insurance investigator?
0: <laughs> freelance. I don't know if he's freelance. <laughs> I think he might have worked for a company. Big difference. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the great freelance insurance <laughs> investigators Well look, a film. Sam Neill is a freelance insurance investigator named John Trent and he is committed to the role even though that job does not exist. Even though that job is 100% made up. Don't even DM me if it's real. I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to keep it in my head as something pure and hilarious. Don't spoil. Do not DM me. Um Yes, he is playing this character to a T. And just to back it up for a moment, we have to talk about the fact that this movie was directed by John Carpenter, who is an absolutely iconic filmmaker, particularly in the genre of horror and gore. Uh. (laughs) So you might know him from a couple of little films like the Halloween franchise, um, The Fog, Escape from New York. Maybe you know him from The Thing or Christine or Big Trouble in Little China or They Live. The man is an icon. (laughs) He has been scaring the shit out of people since our parents were teenagers.
0: Yes, he is a king among men. He's a big basketball fan. Mm. I think I don't know if people really know that.
1: I love that he he quit college to make his first movie. (laughs) (laughs) just to keep the 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 train of bad advice rolling on this show we have a (laughs) we have a fan i never thought i would get a chance to like corrupt a child the way that a parent does because i never wanted to have kids but we do have a listener uh who is just the best her name's raven yes and she's 12 and um i just feel great being able that i have this opportunity to corrupt someone else's child
0: (laughs) raven stay in school please. Or quit and make a movie, Raven. Although I'm sure your dad would be thrilled if you followed in John Carpenter's footsteps. Just saying.
1: Truly a model among men. And, and again, as always, at the time of this recording, John Carpenter has not popped off on Twitter, has not said anything terrible about women. <laughs> He's been fine up till this recording. Yes. Um, But he he's he's an icon. He's an icon. So this movie is part of the lineage and part of the great career of this incredible um, director. The cast is cool. Again, Sam Neill playing John Trent. John Glover is in it as a doctor named Saperstein. And if John Glover was in your 80s movie, he was 100 percent a villain. Yes, always. (laughs) One hundred. You saw that guy and you're like, he is going to fuck someone over.
0: Is he a shitty businessman or an evil doctor? Either way,
1: a bad boyfriend. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> he's yes. he's jumping in there um you've got julie Carmen playing linda styles and jurgen Procknow is sutter kane who is this author that is missing who wrote this book um i would be remiss if i didn't mention bernie casey is in the film yes uh, as one of the clients of this freelance insurance investigator uh and also charlton heston Plays up the publisher, the book publisher Charlton, pull this gun from my cold dead hands, Heston, which is how I knew him as a child. Like fuck the movie star Charlton Heston. Who's this lunatic on stage with a gun?
0: As of this recording, we can confirm that Charlton Heston has said some fucked up shit. One
1: hundred percent. As of this, I love the as of this rec- as of this recording. We can confirm he's still garbage. <laughs> He's been dead for 20 years. I don't know how long. he's been. He, we can confirm that his corpse is still full of worms. <laughs> Shit. At the time of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Charles Heston's in it. Like, okay. Like the cast is wild. Um, and we're going to start. The movie starts out with Sam Neill being committed. Like he's already kind of lost it, lost the plot mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and he is in this tiny padded room in this hospital. And When I tell you that his his visions have everything, you've got demons, axes, thunder, flowers, diva cups. The man is seeing everything. (laughs) (laughs) He uses a single black crayon to draw crosses all over his room and all over himself, which Mm -hmm. is impossible unless that crayon was actually eyeliner, which in the 80s it probably was. It could have been.
0: Maybelline.
1: Maybelline. (laughs) 20... Exactly, the red Maybelline, like when, when it came with a little red pencil. Yes. So he's he's in this thing. He's going like he's in his madness at the start, and he starts talking to this investigator who comes to see him, and he goes back to the start of his story and the way that the story started and the reason that he is in this current condition is that Sutter Kane Jürgen Prochnow um, is who's a horror writer has disappeared and. He's been hired to find this guy. Um, <laughs> Sutter Kane writes something called the Hobbes End Horror series, and the tagline of that series is: "If this book doesn't scare you to death, you're already dead." Which he's eh, <laughs> a little work. He's <laughs> a little work on the copy editing there.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually not the most confusing thing about this movie, in no. my opinion. But. Oh no,
1: it is actually downhill from here in terms of confusion. <laughs> But that is just the printed version of what is the most confusing in the first five minutes. <laughs> the next and most confusing thing is that as Bernie Casey and Sam Neal, so as John Trent and Robinson are sitting down at this cafe discussing whether or not he should take this case, there's a man with an axe just cruising at them across the street. Yes, Nobody notices a thing, like full floor to ceiling window. This man comes out of the <laughs> store covered in blood with an axe, and they're just like, Oh no, you want to take this job? Oh. So clearly, he jumps through the window and tries to attack John Trent. And this guy, this axe man, turns out to be Sutter Kane's agent. He's one of the first people who read this book. <laughs> and he turned into an axe wielding maniac. You know what I was thinking about
0: when during this part I was like, what if Danielle's book agent did this? What if Christopher came through a window with an axe on the fucking street?
1: I would laugh first and foremost because you know me. <laughs> and Christopher is so funny and so wonderful that I would think he was playing a joke. <laughs> So I would burst out laughing. And then, as we've already established, I would have to kill him because I have a very strong sense of self-preservation.
0: Listen, here's another list we need to come up with. The great murderous book agents of film. (laughs) And and Christopher, you've got Halloween costumes for the rest of your life as far as we're concerned. (laughs)
1: Devil Wears Prada. No? Yes. Yes. Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) So this guy comes through this window he gets killed by the police, um, but it turns out that he was this guy's agent. So John Trent's like, oh, I'm definitely on the case now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just saw some insane shit. I am on it. And he decides to start reading all of the Sutter Cain books. And Sutter Kane is basically like your... Um, You know, like you're kind of John Grisham Airport, you know, like horrors, but horror, not law, but like horror, the horror version of that. Mm -hmm. So John Trent's reading these books and he has this flash where he puts together that all of the covers of the book make up a map of New Hampshire. Because, huh? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, New Hampshire does not get its due in most pop culture. Very true. So I'm here for it. But yeah, map of New Hampshire. So he naturally is like, oh, I have to drive to New Hampshire. Let me grab this editor, Linda, and pop off to New Hampshire. And that's what they do. And let me tell you that this drive, much like his visions, has everything. (laughs) You've got a kid on a bike who turns into Albert Einstein. (laughs) Blood curdling screams. A sharp transition from night to day. But then they're in Hobbs End where all hell breaks loose
0: literally all hell
1: all hell breaks loose and they're still looking they're still looking for this author even though everything around them is like yeah this book is clearly doing something to people like when they check in at the hotel the home girl at the hotel has her she's like 90 she has her naked husband handcuffed to her ankle (laughs) while she's checking people in He is way too old to be down there. He's definitely catching pneumonia if she doesn't like axe murder him.
0: Listen, I'm not trying to kink shame grandmas, obviously. But I was like, yo, what's up with this? Like
1: (laughs) That was a level of kink that I have not yet partaken in or seen. (laughs) You're going to chain up a 90 year old man to your ankle? (laughs) I don't even know what kind of kink that would be called. Like sack sack of skin kink. (laughs) old patrick wilson's ass kink i don't know <laughs> old patrick wilson's ass play <laughs> <laughs> the saggy moons of new hampshire play i don't know but this man is down there he is fucking naked he's like a hundred years old and he's handcuffed to her goddamn ankle and they never come back to him they never come back to him because he's not the weirdest thing that's happening in this town
0: exactly exactly
1: there i mean there are monsters coming out of the back of people's heads there are bulging bleeding doors vigo from ghostbusters shows up wilhelm von Homburg shows up just to commit suicide with a shotgun and that's not even how that's like like within the first five minutes of them arriving in this town vigo from ghostbusters is there and you're like huh
0: oh my god and you know what it cracks me up about sam neil i mean i'm sure you're probably going to talk about him a little bit but sam neil is one of these actors who every time he flips the fuck out i laugh like
1: absolutely because
0: i think it's the accent and he's very like you know handsome and very posh seemingly put together but then like in this movie when he progressively like is trying to understand like I thought this was a publicity stunt. Actually, it might be real. That like moment of him flipping out about everything that's happening cracks me up. Like, I don't know why I laugh when he flips out. It's so funny
1: because he, he really does have like a beautifully expressive face. Yes. And I'm right there with you. When he starts his descent, <laughs> it is like <laughs> wild to see. And it is so fun. Yes. And Sam Neill, like now a lot of people know Sam Neill now as like the guy on Instagram who has like a vineyard and a farm. And he's just this very sweet and funny um, social media presence. But he is an actual, actually like a, a very commanding and wonderful actor. He's been in Peaky Blinders recently, but he's, he's just had a hell of a career. Um, I love that he's able to relax and have this whole new or different kind of life on the, you know, that kind of balances out the acting stuff. Yes. Um, but he really was like, especially in the late eighties, early nineties, he was that kind of leading man where he like, this was a kind of a great weird choice for him because he was very like, I am a posh dude who can get a nice tan and uh, I'm pretty hot. So uh, put me in anything you want. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> he,
1: He's been in some, you know, dare I say he's
0: a gentleman pervert. He's been in <laughs> in some really weird movies ah, like ah, ah. he was in um this unbelievable movie called Possession from 1981 oh, with yeah. Isabella Ajani. I mean, just kind of a classic fucked up cult movie but just him being in that movie alone was what really was like i tip my cap to you sir gentleman pervert Good but point. he he's i mean i remember when he was in dead calm like yes he's been in some some crazy shit like i i kind of love him for that like he when he ventures into these weirder worlds like with the john carpenter movies and sort yeah. of the cult movies it It's it's always amusing.
1: It's always wonderful. And look, I know that most of you are now right now are at home screaming Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. Fine. Yes, I saw it. I saw it, too. Yeah. Great movie. Let's move on. He's more (laughs) he's more interesting than that. he's done more but i will acknowledge it so that you can stop screaming because i know you're all at home screaming right now yes jurassic park um but yeah he he really is very interesting like he voiced something in rick and morty and like i don't know he's just he's he's a beautiful new zealand raised gentleman pervert and i just think he's hilarious (laughs) love it and he's wonderful in this movie i feel like i shouldn't like this movie as much as i do because it's one terrifying still Sure. Yeah. And when I was younger, I used to get this movie confused with Jacob's Ladder all the time. Another movie that I saw when I was way too young. Yes. <laughs> so if, we're, if, we're, if this is the show where we're making and keeping lists, let's start with some films that we were way too young to see that scarred us for life and throw this one onto the pile.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, we have to do Jacob's Ladder at some point. We just have to.
1: Holy shit. I don't know if I can go back to it.
0: I know. We're going to have to watch it at some point.
1: I'll, I'll do it. You know why? I love this pod.
0: Yes. Do it for the pod.
1: I'll do it for the pod. But I shouldn't like this movie because it's like terrifying, but it's also kind of a, a parable about how books are bad. Yes. And I'm <laughs> a writer. <laughs> like, this is a book that opens the portal, not just opens the portal to hell. It opens up everyone's specific, special, personal portal to hell. <laughs>
0: Yes. And also it opens up like the apocalypse yeah. or something like it's
1: so weird. It's like a planetary like uh, it's, it's just it takes over the universe somehow. There's a point <laughs> in this movie where Trent isn't trying to explain it. And someone says like, oh, what if people don't read the book? And he says, there's a movie. And I swear to God, my skin went cold. Yes. Cause I was like, Oh, oh God, God, they're going to get you no matter how they're going to get you. Which does
0: feel like a very kind of John Carpenter thing. Right. Cause it is about like, you know, the, the idea of consumerism and, and, you know, book buying, but you know, mo- when, when uh, books turn to movies and mm-hmm. uh, the kind of consumerism that happens along those lines. But it is, it is crazy though, when the movie does address that finally, like when, it's revealed that there was a movie made in the yeah. book. that really, it takes a turn. The movie takes a turn.
1: It takes a real turn. And there's already like a, a lot of scenes that are repeating scenes to kind of indicate that people are stuck in a madness loop. Yes. And once they reveal that it's a movie, it's become a movie as well. There's some fourth wall breaking down a little bit yeah. in a sort of weird way. Like it is just... It's a disturbing movie still to this day, even knowing what was coming. I was like, I don't know if I can sleep. And I watched it at like 11 a.m. on purpose.
0: Yeah, I I think that's part of what makes it scary to me, too, is that it really does keep you on your toes. I mean, and there are moments where sometimes that is confusing, like we've said just, you know, a couple minutes ago, like sometimes you're watching going, all right, what is happening now? Who is this? Is this happening in real life or is this like a dream? Uh, But then it also is that thing where you're talking about madness in that way. Like you're, you're, Mm. you're supposed to be disoriented because it's kind of in the fiber of the of the story right
1: right which is fascinating to me because i think that it's it's a big leap to take to hope that your audience will go along with you in that way and not but they i think it's it's it was done very masterfully and craft craftily and that um you could very much tell that anything could happen at any point in time so you kind of just have to throw away your own inhibitions in the beginning of watching this and just be really right. open to the to the experience you know kind of like if you were going to like a nudist camp or something <laughs> nudist camp in the mouth of madness same deal same thing there is a scene with linda though that still gives me night terrors oh my god which one when she comes crawling out of that car i want to wrap myself in burlap and throw myself into the sea not into the sea. I cannot handle this motherfucker crawling out of that car. <laughs> if I if I was more talented, I would figure out how to make that a Halloween costume.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, there's a, a lot of like creepy scenes, a lot of creepy masks. Like, man, uh yeah, I watched this later at night. I first of all, I haven't seen this movie in probably like 10 years. <laughs> And and then I decided to watch it at night, which is so dumb. And I was like, man, what did I do? I don't know if I can sleep.
1: I have changed my whole schedule around. And I watch movies for the pod in the morning because yeah. I never know what's I never know what's coming. Well, and I knew that we were going to do this episode
0: and it's going to be like a horror movie episode. And I was like, oh, I'm still going to wait until 1145 <laughs> p.m. to fire up in the mouth of madness like a fucking moron.
1: oh i love that you did though i love this movie it's so weird it's just as twisted as i remember and i just i just want to ask you one question though yes if you could write a book that gave everyone on the planet the same reaction one would you and two what would it be because i know the answer is yes
0: it would be yes and uh (laughs) (laughs) And I think I would write a babysitters club book, maybe the next in the Babysitters Club series. Uh, everybody would read it, and then they would make cinnamon brooms a year round. That's what would happen. That is
1: magic. <laughs> magic. Two birds, one stone. There we go. One stone. I hate I hate that phrase because I'm like, why do I have to kill birds to get this? Two things happening at the same time. I love it. Get two things done with one one fell swoop. Yes. If I could write a book that gave everyone in the world the same reaction, I would, and I would write a book that made everyone exactly as grumpy as I am. <laughs> that's great That's very practical Just every Every single person is exactly as grumpy as I am. they'll be better drivers, they'll be better lovers <laughs> they'll be better friends because every The same thing will bother everyone. (laughs) Uh,
0: That would be so it would be so great, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And because it doesn't mean you have to permanently be grumpy. Like, I'm not a grumpy person all the time. Yes. But when I am, I want everyone right there with me. Just moving over on the road, not leaving their houses, maybe folding in their fucking Christ the Redeemer side mirrors.
0: (laughs) I. Love it. And I got to say, this theme was so fun to talk about. Um, We got to watch two really, really fun, scary movies for Halloween. How great is that?
1: Absolutely loved it. It was so fun. And these are, I'm just glad that we got to revisit these films. And as a double feature, they were astoundingly good.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Can't do any better, really, than a John Carpenter film. And, you know, The First Evil
1: Dead. Oh, so. Well, I'm excited for next week cuz next week we're doing things a little different.
0: Yeah, I uh, I have to tell you, we don't have any movies for you to watch next week.
1: That's because it's our 1 year anniversary show.
0: Pew 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 pew. A year. Pew, pew. Can you believe it? I actually cannot believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we have watched so many movies. <laughs> Listen, I when we opened um uh, when we opened the document to look at our notes tonight, I was like, Episode 45? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. 45 episodes. We've done this for an entire year. Can you believe it?
1: Well, I could not be happier. I hope we get to do this for the next 20 years. Yeah. And I'm excited for next week's show. We're going to do some clips, we're going to make it fun, and we're just going to enjoy um, the fact that we've been able to do this with you guys and have you as listeners. And it's just, so much fun i'm just glad we get to celebrate a little bit
0: yes i am too it's gonna to be a great episode you're gonna hear some like old faves we're gonna uh, reminisce and we hope you'll join us because we love you um hey listen if you want to email us please do so we're at i saw what you did pod at
1: gmail you can also find us on our socials um we are at i saw pod on instagram and twitter Also, we've got that spooky merch.
0: Actually, it's not spooky. Uh, You can buy a black T-shirt. But
1: we do have it at the Exactly Right Shop at exactlyrightmedia.com. And if you want even more from us or you want to hear us read your own emails back to you, uh, you can just follow us on Stitcher Premium where we have a bunch of bonus episodes up. And you can also use the promo code SAW for a free month.
0: Yes, get that free month get it
1: listen to that look people have been emailing us and messaging us a lot that they're signing up for citra premium specifically to hear our show and i cannot tell you how happy that makes us thank you so much
0: oh i know it it really does warm our heart to have people that are willing to you know i know we know money's tight right now and if, if anybody has decided to kick over a few bucks to listen to these episodes we really really appreciate it and we have a lot of fun doing them so we hope you're enjoying it
1: uh until next week one year
0: one year happy halloween everybody Uh, see you uh, next week
1: This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi, our engineer is Annalise Nelson, our theme songs by Tom Bryfogle. artwork by Garrett Ross, our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail, and please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.